Hey everyone, before we get to the episode, I'd like to share a little word with you from our sponsors, Odds Crowd. Are you the best football better in the United States? At Odds Crowds, our friends are challenging you to prove it this fantasy season with their epic free-to-play fantasy betting contests. One of my favorite things to do is be betting and not actually have to lose any actual cash. There's over $30,000 in cash prizes up for grabs, both season-long and weekly contests on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place risk-free fantasy bets against real odds and lines, much like you would with any pick tracking app. The most profitable players are rising up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download, you can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, and set up private fantasy contests with your buddies and much more. So download the app for free or go to oddscrowd.com. All right, let's do the damn thing. Are you ready? I am ready. Good shit. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to yet another episode of Rookie on the Rise. Ladies and gentlemen, we are running the gauntlet. Even with COVID, I am running on my Tylenol high, if that's even a thing. And I am really excited to bring you a guest today. This kid is probably... The has the youngest breakout age on analytics Twitter. Uh, he is absolutely undefeated. If you are offered to play Jeopardy with him, I hope you're ready to get your ass kicked because you will. You can find him on the Bulletproof YouTube channel. You can also see him on on, R, on the Art Squared podcast, and you can catch him and Luke Sawhook on Hooked on Fantasy. The one, the only Akash found YZR underscore fantasy on Twitter. How you doing today, man? Good, man. How are you? Uh, you know what? I'm all right. I'm all right. I uh, with enough t- with enough talent, I almost feel normal, which is better than most of the people. So I'm chilling like a villain. Back yep. too. We also get football today, which is exciting, and then uh, we have the incredible UFC fight tonight. So my day after one o'clock should go seamlessly of sports, which I'm just no. really really excited about. Oh. My fiance says no. So it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> this is looking exciting. Okay. So Kasha, before we start into the show, I like to jump with a question just to kind of uh, break up the fantasy football goodies. So what is your favorite show you like to binge watch? And what does that say about you? Favorite show? Um, I don't know my favorite show. I, uh, I don't know. I watch, I haven't been watching many shows recently. I watch the Boba Fett series every Wednesday when it comes out. I like that. And I've been watching Shit's Creek with my girlfriend on Teleparty. So I like watching the show at the same time together, even though you guys aren't together. together. Right. So I guess that says that I'm a nerd and I like spending time with the people close to me. So <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Shit's Creek. Is this your first time watching Shit's Creek? Yeah. Oh, man. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. It's great. I'm on the last season. It's really good. Yeah. It, it is strong all the way through all right so we are rounding the home stretch ladies and gentlemen we are finishing off the 2021 rookie class with probably the best part of the class quite honestly which is our wide receivers now clearly given the time constraints we like to put on this podcast because we care about your time we can't talk about all 16 to 15 quality wide receivers that are worth talking about for the upcoming future so we're going to focus on the heavy hitters on this episode all right we're going to start off with jamar chase so akash 
I'm just going to get right into the meat and bones of it. Does Jamar Chase have the second year that Justin Jefferson had in him? Is that possible? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. That's what I'm talking about. Um, Because basically what we're seeing is Jamar Jefferson cloning Justin Jefferson just a little bit differently, right? Mm -hmm. What do you mean? So, like, Jefferson, I would say – gets more work in, a, in, a, in the intermediate routes and kind of puts it up through more volume while Chase's volume with also just a tremendous amount of high, high explosive plays, right? And this is incredible yeah. yak ability. Mm-hmm. So similar style or production, just different way of going about it. Um, do you think the fact that he's also working alongside uh, T. Higgins, that it's going to kind of ab- – disrupt his career outlook a little bit like do you think his ceiling would even be better if he had t higgins or if there was no t higgins not really i mean it's not really how targets like work in my opinion like no if he's gonna dominate he's gonna dominate and then t higgins can dominate too it's not gonna be an either or kind of thing he is gonna be really really good like if you look at the wide receivers in their rookie year how even similar production to him he had the second best rookie season in the last decade plus in terms of points per game and he had the most um receiving yards for any rookie in the last in last decade if you go by yards per game it was second and if you look at players who had similar points per game it's like jamar chase justin jefferson michael thomas mike evans marquis colston anquan bolden those last two going back more than a decade but still it's just a list of heavy hitters, players who have had tremendous careers. Like this guy's going to be special. I I want you to talk a little bit about why T Higgins and Jamar Chase didn't coexist because I think a lot of people, and I'm, I know this is like PA Howdy's calling card right now, is that targets are earned, not given. Right. So yeah. what is that? Can you expand on that for some people that aren't really aware? The same people that think drops matter in fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. So. Wide receivers earn their volume. So if um, Peter, like you said, it's kind of his thing. He could probably explain it better than me. But if Jamar Chase is a guy who can earn uh, 25% target share, say, I think he had 24-ish in his rookie season, that's only going to go up. If he's a guy that can earn that terrific target share, then he's going to earn it regardless of who he's playing with. It's the alphas eat first. Same with T. Higgins. He is a terrific player. He will earn his targets. He'll get his own because he demands them because of how good he is, right? So if he's also earning, say, a 25% target share, it means that they can both dominate together because this offense is going to be good. They're going to both earn alpha target shares. They both produce very well. So I'm not worried about either one of them playing with the other because, like I said earlier, it's not really an either-or thing. They can both be really good on the same team. We've seen... Teams have multiple wide receiver ones together before, right? Both mm-hmm. these guys are young. They've done it already. Like T. Higgins was wide receiver 12 in points per game. Chase was wide receiver five in points per game. These guys are going to be good together for a long time. Yeah, and T. Higgins did that on, I think he missed three or four games this season too, which is just yeah. fucking, fucking banana lands. I'm all about that. 
I also buried the lead. I usually talk about the player stats before we get into good questions. So let me just really quickly do that. Jamar Chase played all 17 games. He had 128 targets on 81 receptions. He had 1,455 receiving yards, which is fucking batshit crazy. He had 18 yards for reception. He had 1,532 air yards, 13 receiving touchdowns, and averaged 17.9 fantasy points per game. The dude was absolutely bananas. And if we want to talk about efficiency, Chase finished second in the league with 2.92 yards per team pass attempt, which was above Debo and significant, or just a little bit, well, significantly below uh, Cooper Cup because that dude is on quite literally a next level. Now, we sometimes see with rookies a second-year regression of sorts. Now, obviously, Justin Jefferson is just built differently. Uh, it happens differently with positions, but we usually see a little bit of a adjustment period because the NFL has got a full season of tape and they have a full offseason plan how they want to take that weapon away in his second year do you think regression is a reasonable expectation based on the big rate of his downfield shots this year and now how that sustains some of his production so yeah when you have um Jamar Chase who was pretty efficient on plays like that obviously those plays are more susceptible to variance because while they are worth more to get big plays they're also harder to complete and so Sometimes things might not go his way, just variance. So I think it's possible that maybe there'll be some regression in the big play department, but I definitely think that um, he'll still continue to earn targets at a tremendous rate. And uh, we've seen him be really efficient with Joe Burrow and uh, be in this terrific offense, be dominant highly productive at a young age in his rookie season. So I don't think there's any reason to worry about that. You just kind of have to trust the production and be like, yo, this guy as a rookie produced very well. And going forward, I don't have anything to suggest that he won't continue to produce very well. Hell yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. And I mean, he was number three in D targets this year. There's no reason to expect that's going to necessarily drop dramatically. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, well, while the sometimes sometimes you might not have the big plays go your way, I think I can say with some reasonable level of certainty that there'll always be those opportunities for those big plays to continue. Exactly. And I mean, he did have a couple ones where he drops, which is funny. He's got a 63% drop rate and he dropped eight balls this season because apparently what was that whole thing where everyone started selling chase? There weren't stripes on the ball. So everyone freaked out and said, Oh God, no, the I can't do that. Yeah, that was like, funny. That was funny. I enjoyed that because that afforded me a couple of Jamar Chase shares. And I'm really thrilled about it. It was number five of yards after the catch, too, at 550. So clearly he is not a Mike Evans compiler type. Uh, okay, so was this Jamar Chase's ceiling this year as a rookie? Like in terms of point, points expected and stuff, or do you think there's still a likelihood where he, he hasn't seen his best career game, career season yet? No, this is not his ceiling. This is... Yeah, I know. You're excited about that. I'm pumped, I'm man. I'm fucking pumped. All right. This guy's going to be a serial producer for years to come. So, A serial producer. I like that. That may be the, that may be the, show, the name of the show right there. Uh, <laughs> what is his floor, though? Because I think a lot of people in fantasy are more concerned with floor than ceiling because it's safer. And because eventually, if you roster Tyler Lockett enough, he burns you enough, you just start to be allergic to ceilings, which is bad process, but it's still some folks process are trying to work around. So what do you think his, his expected floor is moving forward? Floor, um, like in terms of production? 
Yeah, like I overall would, fan overall finish. I, know, I think like a low wide receiver one or like a high wide receiver two. If stuff really doesn't go his way, like anything can happen. Maybe yeah, like it's hard to miss time or something if the offense right. was to undergo a dramatic shift. Like, but I I think the what I look at is median expectation, and the median expectation is for him to just continue to be productive. And so, like you said, with Tyler Lockett, you know, you just kind of got to embrace the variance. Like one week he had 1.7 points, and next week he had 55. It's something that you just got to trust that he'll continue to produce. Like I said, he's a serial producer. He is a true set it and forget it. And honestly, if you take him out, then Lord help you. You deserve to lose, yeah. You you do, you do. You you truly do. All right, now Jamar Chase is cake. That's very easy. But let's get into Devonta Smith. Uh, Devonta Smith, as Jacob Sanderson mentioned, which is probably one of my favorite tweets I've seen of late, just randomly. He's probably one of the most underrated wide receivers drafted in the first round to memory. He had 17 games played, 103 targets. He caught 64 of those for 916 yards. He had 14.3 yards per reception. He had 1,487 air yards, five receiving touchdowns, and he had 10.9 fantasy points per game. So, Akash, I ask you this. Why is Devonta Smith underrated? Yeah, coming into the into his rookie season, I will say I was too overly critical of him. Like I, I focused too much on the flaws in his profile. I'm not going to say that I kept yelling about his BMI. Maybe I yelled a little bit, but I was focusing too much on like the beta profile and late domination, but he was dominant in his last few seasons at Alabama. So maybe I'd say being 2020, maybe I should have acknowledged that more, but he did have a very good rookie season. Um, I think he's pretty reasonably rated, to be honest. Like, he's after, for most people, he's after, like, the, um, he's in, like, the wide receiver 15 to 17 range, just like Elijah Moore. They had pretty similar rookie seasons. Um, he's after the guys that are already proven. Some of the guys above him have higher ceilings, I think, in my opinion. So I think he's pretty properly rated. He did have... Um, Jacob's tweet where he like the number yards he had and the fact that he wasn't able to convert a lot of those just because of some not great QB play sometimes the low volume offense obviously doesn't help anyone's production but he earned targets well he was productive for a rookie he still had good points per game even though those out those uh, other factors were maybe hindering him a bit in his rookie year like some like comps that showed up like Deontay Johnson, Hollywood Brown, Christian Kirk, Sterling Shepard. Those are some good players, some really good players, and some pretty good players. So I think it's pretty reasonable to have him in the range that he's in now. And if you're targeting, like I'm going to say the same thing for Elijah Moore later, if you're targeting some young players because you want to load up on young wide receivers, I think he's a good player to go after because – He's young and he's shown his talent. And I don't think that he's going to drop off basically earth anytime soon. So he, he went wide receiver 18 in a recent startup that I'm in. Do you think that's too hot, too cold, or just right? Just right. That seems pretty good. Like yeah. some guys, I don't know who went above him or who went below him, but that seems just about right. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty close. So that leads me to my thing. Does he have, I mean, it's clear that he's not going to have the Jamar Chase ceiling because they're just different players. But does he have a ceiling to offer like 
big wide receiver one years. Is that ever in his deck of cards just based on skill? And I mean, situation changes frequently. So it's difficult to project given what we've seen with the Eagles current schematic scheme of things. But do you think that Devonta Smith, if given the right opportunity, could exceed and produce a top six wide receiver uh, finish in a year? Top six, that might be uh, might be a bit uh, high. You know, I'd be yelling about BMI again for the second year in a row, but he does profile as like a beta size wide receiver. It's not really to say that he's bad or that he can't hit a very high ceiling. It's not impossible. We've seen beta uh, size wide receivers like Tyreek and AB do it. So it's not totally impossible. But he does profile as a guy that doesn't have the like highest ceiling, much like Elijah Moore. But I definitely think that if stuff breaks right for him, like Brandon Cooks was a really good beta wide receiver, Tyler Lockett, T.Y. Hilton, these guys were all good. And they had they all had a bunch of wide receiver two seasons and some low wide receiver one seasons. It's good production. Right. Kind of puts him solid in that like wide receiver two tier, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, as you said, really valuable, especially if you want to get some young wide receiver talent without paying the tremendous price of a Jefferson or a chase. So Philly right now under Sirianni, who looks like they're happy to stick with him, they're going to be a bit more run centric and that's going to decrease the amount of passing volume overall. I think they're one of the lowest teams with only 494 attempts. Uh, Right now, Dallas Goddard is kind of the one a one B in that passing situation. Are you ever worried about the fact that if the Eagles bring in a wide receiver that isn't Jalen Rager skill and is actually talented, <laughs> that that would potentially affect De- Devonta Smith. I know we talked about with Chase that alpha wide receivers eat no matter what, but I think we've seen that he he had a high target share, but is that a concern? Do you think he's talented enough to still eat if they bring in more competition? Yeah, I think so. Like, I don't think there's any reason to expect him to not earn like a similar target share. I think around... 20% target share is good. He had 22%, I believe, in his rookie season. It's pretty reasonable. I don't expect him to come like plummeting down or anything. If they add like a like if they add a true, really good like wide receiver one alpha that I really like, well, I think Burks, 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 London, um, even Bell later could be fun. Um you can add a good player to that room and you can still see that Smith will succeed. I don't, I think that um, they like run heavy offense. Like you said, I think that's probably more, that's not something I look at when evaluating players in dynasty, just because those things can change quickly. Like we've seen with the Ravens. Um, But I don't know. I think it might also be like a Jalen hurts kind of thing. Like they shifted their, they shifted their, um, focus of the offense halfway through the season. They were passing a lot at the beginning, and they decided, okay, I don't, we don't want to pass as much, I guess. And so they changed it. I don't know. It was weird. Long, yeah, I don't know if it hurts. I know he's our guy next year, but yeah. for like the long haul, I don't know. Like there's a lot of a lot of things can change there. So I would just say that when you have a player like Devonta Smith, who we know is pretty talented, then I wouldn't worry too much about the external factor that would just buy the talented player or continue to hold the talented player. I love that. Yeah. I mean, with Jalen hurts, it felt like the first half of the season, they were trying to make him fail. And they realized, Hey, okay, he's 
he was all right. And then he realized, and then Nick Cerny is like, I should probably run. And then he overcorrected and said, I'm going to run forever. And I'm not going to not run ever again. So similar question for Jamar Chase. Uh, what do you think the floor is for Devonta Smith? We kind of led to the ceiling earlier, kind of being a uh, high end two, low end one. What do you think a floor is for Devonta Smith? Do you think his wide receiver 30 finish this year is a f- solid floor for him? Or do you think it's a little higher? Um, yeah, it seems like a pretty solid floor. Like a wide receiver three seems like a good floor. Like, uh, like I said, in his comps, like you, I saw Sterling Shepard pop up, Christian Kirk pop up, and that's not bad. Those guys are pretty good players. I know Kirk has had the problem of playing with DeAndre Hopkins over the last couple of years. That's not going to help anyone. I don't think when Hopkins is himself, Disputed and Shepard, uh, Shepard was always has always been pretty underrated yeah. before the Achilles injury. Right now, Rest after the Achilles, it's kind of like kind of gross, but very gross. He's always been a player that's been good when healthy, and he's had some waters over two seasons when healthy. Um, but he also played with OBJ and do the whole era of the Giants rebuilding and so. You know, those guys are still good players, and so I wouldn't worry about that for Devonta Smith. I like it. All right, so you mentioned a dude that I just – I really like. I know that he is also another wide receiver that doesn't have the size that they're looking for, um, but, man, is that dude just a fucking baller. Uh, he's someone that I've just been probably too or higher on than most just mm-hmm. because – when AJ Brown and DK Metcalf started crying that he got selected, I was like, Oh God damn it. This dude is special. Like special yeah. realize is special. And uh, I think Elijah Moore is in his short tenure showing that he's played 11 games. Uh, he dealt with a quad, a concussion. And then what was the other injury? I have it here on player profile, a, uh, a quad strain and a concussion. And he also had an injury preseason that kept him out for a little bit. They so played 11 games. He had 77 targets, 43 receptions, 538 yards, 12 and a half yards for reception, 831 air yards, five receiving touchdowns for 12.6 yards, or excuse me, fantasy points per game. So my first question with Elijah Smith, or yeah, Elijah Smith, that's a fucking Freudian slip for Elijah Moore is, are you worried about the Jets situation impacting Elijah Moore, or do you think he's talented enough to rise above as we do those good athletes and players do? Yeah, he can be good. I don't think that that's I'm, I'm worried about the Jets. Zach Wilson, like he obviously didn't uh, blow anyone out of the water this year, but he had a decent rookie year. It wasn't anything too, too bad. Showed some flashes. I'll have to look more at all the rookie QBs later because I'm still working out how I want to look at them. <laughs> Full <laughs> transparency, but, you know. Eyes closed. It wasn't bad for him. They drafted um, – they got – so they got a quarterback who for now looks – not bad. They got a good wide receiver. Corey Davis is still okay. Michael Carter <laughs> seems like a good, uh, I don't know, good version of Chase Edmonds. Kind of surprising, right? I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised too. I, I thought maybe he'd be a trap, but same. I'm not all the way in on Michael Carter. That's a topic for another time. It is um, a, whole, a whole new me, podcast. You promised me I wouldn't have to talk about running backs, so I'll try to stay away from them. <laughs> But yeah, I don't think that there's anything to worry about the Jets just because they have the name Jets and that stigma of being the Jets. Like they, hopefully they're building something good and it doesn't flop like when they tried to build around Darnold, Robbie Anderson, whoever else they had. And Chris Herndon, rest in peace, King. 
I know. Yeah. Um, but they, he can be good. And like I said with um, Smith, just buy the talent. He's I agree. a good player. He's a good player. And Robert Salah seems like he's actually creating quite a powerhouse down there. Uh, we, I talked about Zach Wilson on a solo pod before I got diagnosed with COVID. Um, I called it my MJ game because, I don't know, I just felt like ass and I managed to somehow make it work. And someone said it was funny. So I was like, hell yeah. All right. I didn't suck. <laughs> uh, but I mean, Zach Wilson, he's been disappointing for what some expected, but I think it's most expected is pretty on par with him. So you mentioned Davis. We know Crowder's there. Crowder used to be the king ball hog. He was like an old Jalen Waddle before Jalen Waddle was Jalen Waddle, just soaking up literally everything and anything. So do you think that Elijah Moore, this is a consistent question just because I think it's fun and a lot of people have these worries. Do you think that Elijah Moore is able to succeed and be the alpha in that offense if he is faced with someone more talented than Crowder or Davis? Or do you think someone still has the ability to kind of like share that role or take that role above him? Let's say I was talking to, I, I was seeing Drew Rosenchuk tweet about this the other day and I was talking about it. And I'm like, damn, this seems that that would be a crazy hypothetical, but say they go out and draft like Drake London or something what 10th or something. Mm-hmm. But if they do that and Drake is good, like we think he is, and he is an alpha, like we think he is and he earns alpha target share produces like an alpha. That doesn't mean that Elijah can't be a very good number two and continue to produce because he's a good player. And I, I would still expect him to earn a good target share, continue to produce well. Like I've been shouting for the whole show, these guys just produce, they earn targets well, and we shouldn't expect them to not earn targets well outside of crazy outside circumstances. You know, Elijah Smore, or Elijah, I almost did it again. <laughs> Elijah Smore, that's a, wow, we are killing it. I'm blaming Brain Bob because I can. There's really no excuse. Elijah Moore had a really, really nice five-game stretch uh, with one game that was not in double digits from week nine to week 13. He had only two games that were below 20 fantasy points, 13.4 and 9.3. He faced the... Indian, he faced Indianapolis, Buffalo. He faced Miami, Houston, and Philly. All those offenses are actually pretty good against the, the pass, surprisingly, even Houston. Um, I think Miami's, I believe, or no, excuse me, Indy's the worst out of, the, out of that pair there. Do you think that sample size is sustainable? I mean, clearly not sustainable because that is like the wide receiver. It's like wide receiver five numbers right there. But do you think the amount of opportunity he was seeing and the target share and the touchdown share is sustainable for Elijah Moore or do you think he just kind of leaned into it because he he had uh five touchdowns in that five game span do you think that kind of elevated him up a little bit right yeah that's what I was about to say he had that like five touchdowns in five games um some big plays going his way like I'm not a big fan of extrapolating small sample sizes like he was good in that small sample size but his target share was still was still, I forgot exactly what it was, but I tweeted about it and said something similar, like, yo, yo, since we, since the Jets came back from their bye, Elijah Moore has been the wide receiver blank. And then I was like, whisper with only an 18% target share or whatever target share it was, <laughs> showing that, yeah, he was outproducing the targets he was earning, but he was still earning targets well. And his, even though like he got hurt, Right in the middle of it, like right as he was meta- like uh, quote unquote starting to heat up or something, he got hurt on it. Uh, maybe his final season stats look better if he continues um, if he continues playing. But 
regardless, his final season stats still look really, really good. He's still, even with all the stuff going around him and him getting hurt, missing time at the beginning of the season and then missing time at the end of the season, he still had a really good rookie season, very similar to Devonta Smith rookie season. And so, like, the comps, like the ceiling and the floor, uh, and the price is about the same. Uh, I would expect similar things. Like, he can be good, uh, like Brandon Cooks or T.Y. Hilton, absolute ceiling would be like a Tyreek or A.B. I'm not going to say I expect that because that's like the absolute ceiling. Um, but, you know, I, I'd still expect some good production from him too. And same price as Devonta Smith pretty much. And it's a reasonable price because he's he had a good rookie season. I expect good, t- good things from him continuing. Yeah, my favorite part of that five-game stretch is um, that he had a snap share over 75% except for week 10. Um which is nice because you like to see rookies getting more involved in the offense. And that means taking more snaps uh, amongst other things like routes run and targets, but it's just nice to see that they're not benching him and putting him in, in like a Rondale Moore esque situation and things like that. Do you That's believe. Yeah. Good. That's why it sucked that he got hurt at the end of the season. Yeah, Cause good. rookie wide receivers tend to get better as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. So maybe he could have kept it going, continued yeah. to impress us. But like I said, he still looks really good. Yep, it's going to be really hard to take an Elijah or Elijah Moore from an Elijah Moore manager because they're just going to they're going to expect that that five game stretch was going to keep going for the next five games. That's just how people are, right? Maybe. Maybe. So I'm just glad that no one's extrapolating it and putting him way too high again. No, that that only belongs for people like uh, I don't know, Kalen Waddle, people like that. That exact same thing happened to Lamb last year. I remember it. That too. Yeah, people are like. Yo, in the four games with Dak Prescott, he was wide receiver eight. So <laughs> wide receiver three, bro. <laughs> oh, I had him wide receiver three for a second. I looked, I'm like, that's not right. I need to change that immediately. That is disgusting. That's too, too high, too high. All right. So we talk about Devonta Smith being a good buy. Do you think that Elijah Moore is a good buy for his, at his current value? Yeah, value is pretty much the same. It was like he's bouncing around wide receiver 15 to 18, like that tier on keep trade cut, same tier with Devonta Smith. And there's also guys like McLaurin there. Uh, wide receiver 19 in the January DLF ADP, also pretty good. Like, yeah, it's, it's good reasonable price. If I had an older veteran like uh, Keenan or Mike Evans, they're going to look after him. He's throwing a little bit something and want to move up to him. Seems reasonable to me. Um, if I'm going to trade down from an older veteran or trade like a running back for a wide receiver in that range, I'd probably target one of those two. Maybe I'd try to target DJ Moore first for Terry McLaurin, but I'd definitely be looking to those two young wide receivers after that just because I think they're still good. I like that. So we talked about his ceiling in four. Why don't you expand a little bit on that for Elijah Moore? Yeah, like like I said, for Smith, he had a really good um, rookie season. Maybe people still won't like me talking about the beta versus alpha, but he had a rookie season that was similar to some good beta wide receivers. Like It's mostly an indication of ceiling, so it's not to say that he isn't good, but like it's to say that maybe he's not going to be like top five or top 12 every year, but he can still be a good wide receiver too, sometimes sneak into, the, into a low wide receiver one, but like I said, like um, production like Cooks throughout his career, Cooks has been like the epitome of the like, a really good 
beta wide receiver because he has six wide receiver two seasons and then one low wide receiver one season. So when I'm thinking about a really good beta wide receiver, I'm thinking Brandon Cooks because he was a really good prospect. He had a rookie season similar to what we just saw from those two guys, and he's continued to produce throughout his entire career. Like no matter what's happening in his situation, he goes from team to team, incredible QB to QB. He just continues to produce. Like Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor throwing his team this year, no problem. Like still okay yards. Yeah, I, I, I mean, honestly, if Elijah Moore turns out to be printing clicks, I would be fucking thrilled, man. I really that, would be. Like, that's I, just I, good production for years. Sincerely, right? And I think we get sometimes caught up, especially in our little uh, Twitter bubble we get caught up in trying to get too cute with some things and sometimes just good to hold players that are going to be good just how this works right so uh i'm talking about rashad bateman he's a guy that is gonna be really really probably controversial person to talk about in the coming year or coming off season just basically mostly because it's difficult to extrapolate this year what we saw from the Ravens as what we should expect from the Ravens just because losing Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins and then running with a bunch of bag or cashier uh, cashiers and produce baggers makes it really hard to, to run to lean on the run. So, do you think that the Ravens could sustain a high passing volume in the future, or do you think this is just the result that there is no reliable running back they could lean on other than Lamar Jackson? No, I think that that's. Pretty, I think it's reasonable to expect something like this to continue. Like before this, the amount they're passing the ball was like 60s or 70s level offenses, like 26 times per game. That's horrible. That's not conducive to anything good for fantasy. Um, but they've shown um, tremendous investment in their in the receivers, and they obviously have a really good QB. They drafted Andrews. Uh, in the third a couple few years ago he's been really good for them and then they gave him an extension they drafted hollywood in the first and then they drafted bateman in the first so when you invest in your receivers like that and you have a really good qb i don't think that there's any reason to um think that they'll go back to well i mean there could be some reason because they're good at running the ball but i don't think that it's um unreasonable to say that this could continue and that they'll definitely return back to the dead ball era offense they were running before so Um, i think that good sorry if you think he's good, then the surrounding variables, like I've said for everyone so far, that shouldn't worry you. I love it. As you can tell, I uh, I am pseudo concerned about the surrounding variables, mostly because it's just an old habit I need to get out of my mind. So for reference, the 2001 Ravens had a pass to rush ratio of 611 pass attempts to 517 rush attempts which last season is a little different because they had 406 pass attempts to 535 rush attempts. So that was a tremendous boost. And again, that's probably going to be more than we see this year. And that was also started by an initial week. Um, but I, I, I agree with you, man. I mean, Rashad Bateman played 12 games because he had that core surgery. He had 67 targets for 46 receptions. He had 515 receiving yards, 11.2 yards for reception, 534 air yards, one receiving touchdown and 8.6 fantasy points per game. I I love that his receiving yards and air yards are so close together just because his calling card out of college was being one of the most efficient pro-ready wide receivers we have, um, which unfortunately kind of nukes your ceiling a little bit, right? Really? You know, it, it, I, think, uh, I think with him, I think there's not a tremendous amount of growth in terms of like being a top tier wide receiver one. I think he's going to be just a 
extraordinarily solid high end two and sneak in some low at wide receiver one weeks in or years in, excuse me. Uh, do you think that Bateman is going to be the alpha over Hollywood next year? No. I mean, he's I, good. And everyone likes good. to talk about it, but I mean. I know. I've been talking about it with people, and I'm on the Hollywood train just because he's earned enough target share um, for two years now. Bateman's good, but Hollywood's also good. And so everyone's kind of focusing on Bateman because he's newer. And I still like Hollywood. I don't know. I was I was too much of a Hollywood doubter or like too critical of him Bateman. entering the season. And I kind of like wrote off what he did um, before because he was he had a good target share, but he wasn't productive. So I was like, whatever, I don't care about him. I like Bateman. And but now I've uh, kind of done a 180 because he just continues to earn targets and he's a good player. So I don't expect Bateman to like fully take over. They can both be productive together, and I expect Hollywood to um, continue to be good. But if I had to bet on it, I would bet on Hollywood because we've seen him do it. Bateman, I'm not going to say that he's like a big question mark or that I have major doubts about him, but his rookie season was like good not great right yeah and i mean unfortunately with rashad bateman as well and we, we look at his games he started off really hot for the first three games um he was efficient he was making or he was challenging people for target share he was a focal point of the offense as a third down player uh and then after his week 14 blow up against cleveland where he had 103 yards and he had eight targets for seven receptions he kind of faded quite a bit um, which is not what you want to see for rookie wide receivers. You want to see them finish strong, not weak. Not that I'm necessarily putting that against him um, because Tyler Huntley was mainly just throwing to one person and one person only. His name was Mark Andrews, Mandrews. Uh, but it brings up my question, which is Rashad Bateman seems to be given that possession wide receiver role in Minnesota. And that's not a role that's like a death now by any means when he had, he was, he had 164 yards after the catch, 2.4 yards per target. Um, that's kind of limit his upside a little bit though. Don't you think? Would it? I think, I mean, okay, comparable to the not getting alpha volume. Right. And then also not being a wide receiver like Hollywood where he can't, he's not, he's less likely to have those huge games and weeks where he's just going to go throw up you know, catch two deep passes for 150 yards. Do you think that's going to limit his ceiling a little? I mean, maybe, but um, like the archetype of like what kind of wide receiver he is. Because when I think possession wide receiver, I think Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson. Am I wrong? No, so, I think that's solid. I don't think that there's, that's a reason to doubt his ceiling. Because possession wide receivers, if they earn enough volume, can definitely be highly productive. Uh, he's barely like beta size wide receiver, like technically. And yeah. he said that he normally plays at 200 and he just lost weight because COVID. And that's why he measured it at 190. But I just kind of kind of <laughs> got to take the data for what it is. If he was alpha size, uh, it would probably maybe give him a bit of higher ceiling. That's just the threshold. Um, I, Minnesota, sorry, I was going to say Minnesota also had him two inches higher and 20 pounds. Yeah heavier so like sure yeah. yeah you you lost 10 pounds due to COVID I, I believe that that's very reasonable but like you also lost two inches so I'm a little confused right like the I think that those uh measurements were probably a bit <laughs> fraudulent or fudge but 
college being fraudulent? Whoa! I don't know. I've heard rumblings that Wando Robinson is anywhere between five. Don't start six, that horse shit right five, now. 11. Bro, everyone's a fucking detective right now. If he's going to come yeah. in at 5'10 and everyone's going to look like a fucking idiot. Or I'm going to look like yeah. an idiot and just laugh. I, I, I was um I was on his Twitter just looking for pictures of him. <laughs> and I found one like, of him standing next to some Kentucky senator. And I looked up the senator's height to try to figure it out. I didn't find anything. But someone found a picture of him standing next to Nick Saban. And he's yeah. like just a bit taller and Saban's 5'6". Yeah, he's 5'6". Oh, my God, dude. It's, it's like, well, there's nothing we can really do about it right now. I don't know. Maybe if you play Debbie or do your rookie drafts way before the NFL yeah. draft, maybe you pay more attention to it. But right now, it's just wait and see for me. I'm how tall he is. Exactly. Because that's going to be really, really dependent on that. So I mentioned that I think Bateman's a very, very comfortable floor play. Do you think he's probably one of the has one of the best floors in this class out of the wide receiver group up grouping, obviously? Um, like relative to what? Just just relative to the class, just to this class. Do you think he's gonna offer the most consistent production? Um albeit not like week to week. Yeah, week to week. I don't really look at week to week production. I just kind of start the guys. Then I start one week, I just start them every week because they're typically good players. And I just start good players and they give me good points. So week to week, I don't know how his role impacts his uh, production like week to week because I don't really look at stuff like that. But I would, um, on a season-long basis, I think that the, there's definitely, um, I would say that I would expect Chase Smith, Elijah Waddle to probably have better floors in terms of like career outlook just because they had better rookie seasons. Um, I like Bayman a lot coming out of college, but like I said earlier, his rookie season was good, not great. And so I don't think that he's like a face planner or anything. Cause I think eventually um, by, by the time May comes around, his ADP will be just fine. And we'll be able to look at him and say, yeah, he's not a face planner. So I, I think it's fine. Just uh, I think he's pretty reasonably priced right now. Um, I don't know but yeah, he's he's uh he's lost his gleam from the, yeah, the offseason I'd, I'd have to look more into him to be honest just because i don't know i don't know it's a bit there's, tough for me it is there's his sample this year is really difficult mostly yeah. because i mean we get we missed the first x amount of games uh you know i think six he missed the first six five. games first five games um <clears throat> and then he comes back and he is really, really hot or cold, which is kind of just like the story of the Ravens offense, right? I mean, with, with, with Lamar Jackson, just for, for, uh, for um, fantasy weapons, not their overall offense, but this, I feel like they're an offense that has a tendency to have just one person just sort of pull Houdini any given week. And then, you know, we had Tyler Huntley in for more games than anyone really wanted to see when they have Lamar Jackson are being hurt on the sideline. And so, it's really difficult to extrapolate this season as like moving forward. Um, But doing our best to do that, assuming Tyler Huntley won't be the starter for the Ravens and hopefully won't play more, won't play any start any games next year. What do you think is a reasonable expectation for Bateman moving forward? Um, I would kind of expect like, I, I don't know. I think that, it can go one of two ways. Um, like I, I did a bunch of his, his comps and like some face planners show up and some good players show up. And so like, if he's not a face planner, his outlook 
looks a lot better. Um, like some good players are come up on his comps list, like Sutton, Galladay, Lockett, Hopkins, um, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Michael Pittman, and then some Jalen Rager, KJ Hamler, Doriel Green Beckham. So I think eventually he'll scary list. Yeah, I mean, there's some downside there, but I think eventually I think he'll be fine because he was a good prospect. Like I said, I'll probably have to look more into him. He's he's like right in the middle of where I would start to be worried and where I'm like confident. So Right. And then, I mean, I'm glad you're doing the comps because those are so freaking helpful. Uh, Yeah, they help me get a good, like, they help me get a, a, like, help me put those rookie seasons in perspective because if you don't compare rookies to other rookies, you're kind of doing it wrong because you should hold those guys to different expectations. I agree. Uh, it's it's a phenomenal idea, and it, it helps put people's mind into a long-term perspective. You know, when you say Kenny Galladay, excluding this year, everyone thinks of, like, a guy that's pretty good. You know, like, he thrived on the volume, and he was a good deep ball threat, et cetera, especially Alshon Jeffrey, the dude just a fucking animal. Um, right. Into the yeah. lighter little parts, right? Uh, thank you. By the way, this is really nice. I appreciate having you on. Um, you're the one dude when I'm just chilling on Twitter or talking in, the, in our chat room, when you pop up and you start asking questions, I really enjoy it because you always challenge the how I think about things and what I'm how I'm viewing things from a perspective that's not or that's like driven in facts and not full of just theory and feelings. It's concrete and i really appreciate that about you so i wanted you on because i knew you'd be just full of incredible information and wisdom so akash thank you so much for coming on thank uh, you that was really kind yeah yeah Sorry everybody be more comprehensive about bateman maybe i'll get don't back be. to you on that no well you know what what we'll do is we'll just victory lap next year um when bateman shows us more bateman please don't get injured again man i really like you i want to like you so let me like you please uh, once again, everyone, you can find Akash on Twitter at YZR underscore fantasy. You can find, you can have him in your earbuds just like this one on R Squared Pod. You can see his wonderful face on Bulletproof YouTube channel. You can see him and Luke doing just wonderful kid, wonderful things on Hooked on Fantasy. Akash, what do you want to leave off with, man? Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Uh, I've done a pod like this in like over a month since uh, I got back into like winter break i've just been lazy for the whole winter break so this was good it's fun listen to the last few episodes of this show like especially with the one with spence like that was a really good one i appreciate that yeah if you uh if you got if you guys want to you know go and listen to the stuff be really cool i definitely appreciate it um it's nice to know that i while i love doing this it's nice to know that people love that i do this or at least listen to it um it makes me still be happy about the time i'm spending investing into this so please go ahead and give Akash a follow. You can find me on Twitter at the FF Sandman. Um, if you want to yell at me or bitch at me or say nice things, you can either pop into my DMs on Twitter and do that. I put my Gmail or my uh, email account also here. You get more than welcome to send in ideas, suggestions, what you want to see with the show. We aren't some huge conglomerate show. And so if you're like, I would like to see player X, Y, and Z, I can absolutely make that happen for you i'm just trying to do stuff that makes people happy and give them content that they're interested in and it's a little different than everyone else's 
Spotify has a rating system. Uh, if you could not give me one star, that'd be really cool. If you do, then this is where I tell you lovingly and in the secession style to fuck off. Um, but all oh, it's always love. It's always love. Uh, everyone, please check in on your loved ones. Tell me you love them. Uh, your time is super valuable. Love, not loved. You love them. Your time is valuable and it really means a lot that you spend it with us. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Stay healthy. Do something great for yourself. And that's the show. Peace. How do I make this stop recording?